Welcome to this special edition of The Empire's Edge. Today I'll be entertaining you with a story that is part of Zelen Adar's backstory when she was in Karn Keldley as a little girl a long, long time ago. Cobblestones and Magic by Matthew John Sinkovich. The moon held rain over the night, casting long, rippling shadows on the cobblestones of the nearly empty street in the city of Keldley Falls. Zelenadar ignored the fact that Mr. Stalworsk wouldn't let go of her hand, but smiled as the tip of her shadow crept down into the cleft between two cobbles, only to rise up onto the next. Disheveled hair, making her shadow touch that cobblestone, the wrought iron post, the tangled little ribwort at the entrance to the walking park. Mr. Stalworsk jounced her arm. Enough of that, Zelen. They walked along the line of the park's black metal fence. The trees loomed a dark and tall wall, a single mass with a jagged top. The illumination of the frozen flames in the glass boxes reached the streets but penetrated no further. But Zelen noticed as she and Mr. Stalworsk reached one of the poles, the boxes topped. Her shadow behind her ran further and further away, then caught up in an instant as they passed the pole and again stretched out ahead. Mr. Stalworsk, who puts the flames, the frozen flames, in the clear boxes? Mr. Stalworsk turned his head, his gray hair looking frosty in the shadows. Frozen flames? Oh, they're not fire, Zelen. They're magic, Zelen said. But different from the kind that seeps out of trees. Enough of that! Mr. Stalworsk squeezed her hand. I don't want you thinking about that where we're going. You could give something away. I know what to do, Mr. Stalworsk. The man nodded his head without looking at the girl. They left the fence-lined park and crossed the street. The dim, fat lamps at the door and balconies of the house they approached only hinted at the bulk of its four stories of dark stone, yet only punctuated the dark mass, the tower on the adjacent property, looming more than twice its height. Zelen watched the form, a tower, tall and darker than the night, imagining how it sat like a monster waiting out of sight. A man with thick sideburns and black clothes greeted them at the door. He nodded to Mr. Stalworsk and merely eyed the little girl, looking up at him. This way, the man said, escorting them to a parlor. Stalworsk maintained his hold on Zelen's hand. The door latched behind them with a solid chunk and almost disappeared into the applewood-paneled walls. Zelen looked at the crystals, purples, blues, and greens that sat on the mantelpiece and tables. She started for an amethyst geode, but Mr. Stalworsk pulled her back. Don't touch anything. He looked at the door. You know this is my biggest contract, biggest I've ever tried for. Zelen nodded. If I get this, it means no more buying and selling salt from Vlackveld. After three months... I'll have the money to import blue salt from the Tangiri Mountains, the only blue salt in Karn Keldley. Think of it, girl. No more scraping. I'll have the money to own a house like this, another in Manhurst Duchy. Mrs. Stalworsk and I could travel in style and could take me to Grandma Ludmilla's house. Stalwork clenched his jaw muscles, meeting and holding her eyes. Zelen held his, too, as the walls became distant to her but she remained silent. Finally, 
Mr. Stalworsk blew air from his nostrils and smiled a smile that only touched the lower half of his face. Yes, we could have just enough money to travel north to Gryan. In Vlackveld? <laughs> no, not that far. Gryan's closer? Never mind that. You hold my hand like always. When I squeeze yours twice, you do your trick. So I'll know if he's being honest. Zelen pressed her lips together and nodded her head. The door opened. A slender man in brocade robes of blue and green entered. His smile and outstretched arms filled the room. Esteemed Stalworsk, it is a pleasure to have you here. My Lord Karnan, Stalworsk said with a slight bow. And you have your little ward, Zell. Zelen Adar, Zelen said. Never mind that girl, Stalworsk said. The men talked, and Zelen returned her gaze to the geode and imagined crawling inside it. When they sat and engaged in an earnest conversation, she popped out of it and leapt to the mantle and traced the swirls of a large, soft-looking green stone with little dots of bright. She named each dot for one of the stars, and when she ran out of names, she made them up. All the while, the men's voices became the wind in the trees on a starry night. A sensation seemed familiar. Zelen's stars stood still and stepped away from her. The sensation repeated. She turned her head to the men who were both looking at her. Lord Carnan's eyebrows were up with a smile wanting to start at the corner of his mouth, and Mr. Stalworsk's eyebrows were down, no smile. Stalworsk double-squeezed her hand a third time out of sight of their host. What kind of stone is that? Zelen asked. Mr. Stalworsk's eyes popped wide, but his mouth barely opened. Say, my lord. Zelen pointed with her free hand. What kind of stone is that, my lord? Lord Carnan pulled a chair to the mantel. Jump up, Zell, for a closer look. Mr. Stalworsk let his arm stretch out until he had to release her. Standing on the chair, Zelen brought her nose close to the stone. This, young lady, is moss agate, Carnan said. The largest single piece I have ever seen. Moss agate, Zelen said, naming her universe. Lord Carnan's smile set in the corner of his eyes. Let the girl drift into the stone. Well, Stalworsk, I'll have your answer. Mr. Stalworsk wet his lips. There is much to consider, my lord. Carnan shifted his stance, his arm leaning on the mantel, with his relaxed hand hanging like exposed tree roots. Zelen spun around on the chair and dropped to the floor, her shoes hitting the floor with a staccato, drum-like report, and took Mr. Stalworsk's outstretched hand. She fidgeted and whispered before becoming still. What's this? Lord Carnan asked, his arms akimbo. Stalworsk's shoulders settled and his brow smoothed, and he slowly nodded his head twice. Listen to me, Stalworsk. What's going on? Is she unwell? Mr. Stalworsk stood and smoothed his hair with both hands. Zelen returned to the chair and her universe. Lord Carnan barely noted her as he fixed a new eye on Stalworsk. Well, Stalworsk, Carnan said, stepping forward. Stalworsk pursed his lips and glanced to the left before meeting the other man's eyes. My lord, we both know that you are withholding information from me, and that small detail will greatly impact your cost margin. Five times the black veld rate will not be acceptable. This far from the coast, ten times the rate is the current mark. Lord Carnan held Stalworth's eyes and nodded his head. 
Zelen named and renamed the stars in the moss agate while the men continued their negotiation. The next day, Mr. and Mrs. Stalworth swerved and plunged through the crowded market along Spring Street with Zelen, legs moving twice as fast as theirs, tethering them to each other. I don't understand, Hank, Mrs. Stalworth said. Why are we summoned to Ark Palace? It, it's not a summons, Margaret. The next stage of negotiation for the SALT contract takes place there. But you were so excited last night. I thought you won the contract. That's why you were, we went to Lord Carnan's house. I had to go to Lord Carnan's last night to convince him to back me. They lined up, dodging a group of coal merchants. Zelen's feet hardly touched the cobblestones. And he is. And he is, Margaret. And that's why we're happy, Mrs. Stalwork asked. Zellen looked up at Mrs. Stalwork, but didn't say anything. Hank Stalwork directed them forward. With his endorsement, our chances jumped tremendously. And with our little Zellen here, I'll have the edge in the final bid. Over her shoulder, Zellen watched water spilling from a fountain, hearing it blend with the laughter of the people surrounding it. Everything will be perfect, Mr. Stalwork said. They crested the hill of the cobblestone street, and absorbed the view of the gleaming stones and crystal windows of Ark Palace. A patchwork crowd of colors and sounds stirred like a pot before the palace gates. People nearest the gate waved writs over their heads as the churning rose to the intensity of bees. Eventually they were drawn inexorably through the gate, entering into the relative calm of the sculpted palace grounds. Mr. Stalworth glid the three of them into the press. The mass of people bunched them up, sought to pull them apart, separated Mrs. Stalworsk for a while, but, with writ waving over his head, Mr. Stalwork got them to the gate. Unshaved guards in light chain armor handed the writ to an elaborately bearded man in blue and red silks. Nosing through it and reading it twice, he raised a thick-fingered hand, motioning Stalworsk forward. But the hand closed into a fist. Just you, the man said. Mr. Stalworth blinked twice. I, I apologize. What did you say? He asked. Just you. The crowd jostled the Stalworths and Zellin as each looked at each other. Mr. Stalworth cleared his throat. I am Mr. Henry Stalworth, representative of Lord Sir Avatain Carnan. Charmed. I must be granted entrance at once. Stalworth tightened his grip on Zellin's hand. You have it, Mr. Stalworsk. They do not. Stalworsk looked at his wife and the child before him. They are my negotiating team and must enter with me. The man turned his chin to Mrs. Stalworsk and Zelen, then returned to Mr. Stalworsk. Go in or don't. It makes no difference to me. But if the three of you attempt to cross, you will be beaten to the ground and the ladies will be placed in irons. Mr. Stalworth took another look at Zellin, then his wife, allowing the crowd to shake and shove him as people vied for his place. You'll have to try, Hank, Mrs. Stalworth said. I'll have to try, Mr. Stalworth said, looking at no one. Mr. Stalworth, Zellin asked, should I do my magic trick now instead? What? Stalworth yelled, shaking his hand loose from the girl. No! What good would it do right now? Stay away from me! You're useless! Why are you here at all? Zellin shrunk into the mass of people behind her, disappearing as though she'd never been. Mr. Stalworth, with a last nod to his wife, passed through the gate. Later that night, 
Mrs. Stalworsk sat at the window of the room they had rented as darkness crept into the stones of the city. Watching the street, she sipped from an empty teacup, realizing she'd finished it an hour before, only to sip from it again a minute later. The thick hydera ivy outside the window rustled. Mrs. Stalworth leaned out the window. She rushed down the stairs to meet her husband. A thickly knotted clump of vine unwound, strands becoming little fingers. Zellen let go of the vine and leaned back on the ledge, covered by the blanketing plant, as Mr. Stalworth approached, the tap of his shoes distinctive in the hushed city sounds. Zellen turned her head, listening past the ruffled sounds of the leaf brushing her ear and the dark green aroma of the ivy. The explosion of the Stalworsk's voices muted and funneled in the stairwell before re-emerging a clash of hurt and blame. Lost, Mr. Stalwork ended a sentence. Lord Carnan's aide would not speak with me once it was over. He thinks I'm a liar, Margaret, a liar. It's destroying my reputation. Zellin could tell that he collapsed into a chair. The hollow tone of a bottle uncorked and liquid pouring preceded a drink being inhaled. Stalworth sucked air in, a liquid inrush, and spoke through spray. There wasn't even a reason. No reason at all. His voice beat in an upswing. Mrs. Stalworth's near inaudible, no reason, echoed from a distant place. None. Guards stood everywhere. People roamed the halls at will. Believe me, Margaret, Ark Palace is an open street market with a roof over it. I didn't know. How could we? They're even children. Starworth nodded his head like a bobbing, silky chicken. He gulped more drink. Same as Zellin. Common. Average children. Just like Zellin. Then it occurred to me. If they could be here, she could be here. Zellin couldn't see it, but she knew that Mrs. Starworth slowly shook her head with her loose fist over her mouth and nose. I even asked the negotiating magistrate, and he said, who cares if you bring a child with you? You should have come out to get us, Mrs. Stalworsk said. I did, he yelled, but you weren't there. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The crowd was too much. It pushed me every which way. Before I knew it, they pushed me away. Then I couldn't get back in. I wanted to. I really wanted to. I know. I know. It's not you. It's her. Zellin? Zellin. He drank his drink and poured more. Zellin closed her finger and thumb on the ivy leaf near her ear, touching its smooth, featureless simplicity. She was gone before I left, Stalworth went on, punctuating his accent with his finger on the table. She used her magic trick. What? Yes. Why? To do exactly what she's done, to humiliate me, ruin us, and escape. Why would she do that? Mrs. Stalwork must have turned toward the window as her voice grew louder to Zellin. We've treated her like family, like a daughter. Zellin's eyes widened and she gripped the leaf more tightly. Oh, but she's smart, Stalworsk said. Down deep, she knew we'd never take her to her grandmother's. The girl on the ledge pressed her lips together. But she used her magic trick to influence the man at the gate, or me, I thought her magic helped you make the right choice when you negotiated. It does, he paused, slurping his drink. She must have found a way to warp it. Either way, she's of no use now. Zellin plucked the leaf from the vine and held it by her ear. Well, then good riddance, said Mrs. Stalworth. 
We'll pull stakes and start over in deep Southland, the Corman Empire, or on the coast of the Bihar Sea. The sound of a glass slamming down hard masks some words. Thought of that. As weak as her power is, we know how rare it is. There are people who'd pay money to be able to mold someone, someone young, not set in their ways. They'd pay good money. Zelen rubbed the leaf like a good luck stone. But how do you find people like that? I don't need to. I already know. There was a soft sound of laughter. I've already been there. Been where? Mrs. Stallworth asked. To the place that'd pay 500 silver for a young someone with emerging magic. 500 silver, Mrs. Stallworth echoed. I've been to the Razia Tower. Zellan looked down as the slowly spinning leaf gently touched a cobblestone. How much did they pay you up front? They don't pay up front. The Razia wizards. I didn't even ask. The way they looked at me. If I'd asked, they would have burned me to ashes where I stood. Then what good is it? She's gone. We've got to find her. And fast. Why fast? They think we have her. They'll pay if we walk her there tomorrow after breakfast. But if I don't, they might look for her themselves. Cut me out of the deal. We've got to look tonight. Where do we start? I know some places she liked. Get your shawl. The chairs groaned. We're leaving at once. Cloth pulled from pegs. Footsteps made erratic patterns. Chairs shifted and a door closed. Zellin watched the stallworks enter the street and walk side by side out of the window light. Her arms felt like stones, and the little edge cloaked in ivy felt so comfortable. She made a mental list of the things she would take with her, then a shadow moved. A person emerged from a deep doorway, watching the stallworks go. Zellin's breathing stopped as she watched the stranger take a furtive, cat-like step, a glow for a moment in the wan light of the window before gliding through it into thicker darkness. The person's form seemed to shift as it moved away, appearing even more like a cat as Zelen lost sight. The leaves vibrated with Zelen's heart, and she pulled herself upright through the window. She quickly gathered the things she needed and slung them in a sack over her shoulder. She scattered the fire in the hearth, though it already burned low, and left in near darkness but she hadn't walked a dozen steps before she stopped. The yawning, unseen city stretched around her like an animal she couldn't name. She reached for the magic that crept up through the cobblestones. She felt it in her toes and fingertips. The subtle movements and the whispered words came naturally as she did her one trick, and the magic she felt helped her, guiding her feet. She moved into the night. In a different part of the city, Fires burned at intermittent open hearths where locals lived in the open of the city's busiest streets. Voices murmured, a stream-like babble, peppered with discordant words and the occasional laugh. A man in a wide-brim hat leaned against a wall, cutting slices from a dirty rutabaga with a thin knife and munched his grimy food alone. He paused mid-chew when the stallworks passed, heading uphill on Spring Street but he stood straight up when he spotted a dark mass stalking the roof lines above the street. He brought the magic up with gestures so subtle and words so implied 
that they were nearly thought without action. With his new eyes, he saw above himself on the near side of the street another dark mass resolved, moving in the same direction. Waiting until the animal passed, he set the angle of his hat and followed after. Further uphill on Spring Street, Zellin stepped through the bars surrounding the big dome building with the four towers. She liked the sight of it when Mr. Stalwark led her here a day ago. There were so few green areas in the city. She crawled under the low, drooping boughs of a pine tree and worked a little bowl with her back and hips. But just as she closed her eyes, an unmistakable voice opened them. She kept saying how wonderful it was to see plants, Mr. Stalwork said. He carried a lantern he'd picked up from somewhere. Mrs. Stalwork pointed as they neared the gate. Zellin shot out from under the tree and ran to the far side of the lawn and out through the bars. Did you hear that? Mrs. Stalwork asked. Someone's running. Mr. Stalwork said, it could be her, after her. Zellin could hear shoes slapping the cobblestones behind her. Running as fast as she could, she took any turn in the maze of streets as she perceived them, but the Stalwarks remained set on her path. All she had was the night air and no idea where to go. So she trusted the night air and ran. She lost track of time. Running felt natural and cleared her head. She realized eventually that the sounds of pursuit were gone. She stopped abruptly, breathing deeply, feeling that she inhaled the magic seeping from beneath the streets and buildings. She needed to get out of the city, but didn't know which way to go. Then it struck her. Mr. Stalworsk had shown her a door and a sculpture combined like a picture or a map. She calmed herself, breathed and breathed until she felt the magic breathing with her. She made the subtle movements and the whispered words. Then, in a moment, trusting, Zellin turned and briskly walked down a street. It was an hour or ten minutes later. Zellin couldn't tell when she arrived at the door. A torch nearby made the deep relief cuts look like rough stone. She traced the line of streets and the buildings with her hands, found the main gate, the palace, and the dome building. Looking up, she could see the dome low above nearby roofs. She held the image made with her hands in a picture in her mind. What do you have in the bag, child? A voice said from the dark. Zellin spun around. A form stepped partway into the light. The girl looked both ways for the best escape. The sound of metal on metal cut the air as a dagger was drawn. It's a unique sight, that door. A good place to catch the unwary. A colossal roar ripped the night, battering the air. Its strength simultaneously buckled Zellin and the thief's knees, dropping them to the ground. The man scrambled up as a beast, an enormous cat, bound out of the dark, its great eyes in bulk seemingly fixed on Zellin, but then passed by her. The thief screamed as the cat stalked him. In a moment, Zellin was alone again. Her knees shook as she rose, but steadied herself, searching for the strength to move. A woman offered Zell on her arm. It's okay, she said. My name's Duvessa. It's okay. Where did you come from? Zellin said. Duvessa gestured in the direction where the thief had run. What's your name, girl? She asked. Zellin held the woman's eyes. Mildred, she said. Well, Mildred, Duvessa said, you shouldn't be out alone at night. Why did you help me? Zellin asked. I have a soft spot for children on their own. The little girl fiddled with her fingers, 
but her head snapped up as she heard the clear voice of Mr. Stallworth. Here she is. Here she is, Stallworth said to his wife. What now? Duvessi yelled. Go on, Mildred. She pointed down the street. Run home. Zellin jumped and ran. Through the sounds of her own footfall, she heard Mr. Stallworth's voice rising in a wailing cry. You don't understand. You don't understand. Then Zellin passed out of earshot. But the roar of the monster made her stumble. She ran down the lane, jumped behind a crate, willing her heart to slow. Yet, within only a few moments, the impact, soft and nearly silent, betrayed its bulk, front legs, back legs. Zellin felt the monster touch down even though it was 30 strides away and made herself as small as possible behind the crate. It was invisible to her senses now, but she knew it crept closer on its great cat paws. Zellin did her first magic trick, but the exhilaration of drawing the magic through the stones provided no insight. The air in the lane quieted, but the pungent odor of a large animal permeated the confined space. She pulled the little knife from the sack and stood. The cat's orange and black stripes looked out of place among the stones of the city. Zellin stepped from behind the wooden box. The beast tensed, then relaxed. One of its great paws rose to its throat, and it altered and compressed, diminished into a woman of average height in gray wool clothes cut for a man. A short sword hung from her belt. She released the necklace and smiled. Duvessa? Zellin asked. You are that girl, Duvessa said, nodding her head. Zellin's eyes cast about the lane, looking for anything. The little Zellin, not Mildred. Obviously, I had no idea. You're the one we've been looking for. The girl's eyes went wide, and she circled to the left. The woman did the same. There's no reason to fear. Duvessa ignored the knife. I protected you before and will again. You came to kill me. No, not you. My masters want you alive. What is that necklace? Zellin asked. Duvessa smiled. This is a tool provided by the wizards. They'll give you similar things too. Zellin backed away. The Razia wizards will create a life of marvels for you. The woman nodded at the knife. You'll be one of them one day. I wish I had your talent, however fledgling. I'll only ever serve them. Zellin brought up the knife. Devessa sniffed. That's not where your power lies, she said, resting her hand on the palm of her sword. Do that, and I'll act on instinct. Zellin held perfectly still, then set the knife on the cobblestones. She felt the power under them, sensing the vastness she didn't understand. Good girl. No, Zellin, Duvessa said. Your path is magic, she said, coming a step closer to the girl. Someday you'll have to tell me what it's like to sense it. You do sense it, don't you? What controlling it feels like to strike something with that destructive force. Zellin reached for the magic waiting there, felt how the inadequate stones hid it from sight, but not recognition. Enough, Zellin. The Razia wizards will make you one of their own. But I don't want to go. That doesn't matter. Duvessa advanced a step. Don't make me bind you. It will go better for you to appear before them on your own feet. Zellin crouched low, and Duvessa shook her head. The girl made the movements and whispered the words. The woman drew her sword. 
that could be watching us right now. The little girl pulled power through the cobblestones, not knowing what it would do. I can't make this look bad for me, Duvessa said, stepping forward. A bolt of light transfixed the woman, freezing her in a silhouette of shock and pain. Zelen flew backwards with a thunderclap and bounced across the stones. Duvessa reached for the necklace as another bolt struck her. Her scream erupted into a roar as she emerged from the light, a burning tiger, shooting past Zelen, clawing great leaps for the end of the lane, near the door. Beyond the charging animal, Zelen saw a man in a wide-brimmed hat, his outstretched arm manifesting the downward arc of a third bolt as the tiger was almost upon him. Catching her mid-leap, the bolt hammered the animal to the ground. Pulverized stone shot out in a circular wave, splattering the surrounding buildings. Debris fell like a sudden brief rain, then all became quiet. An acrid vapor hung over the street. The man circled the scorched prone animal, always facing it with his outstretched arm, directed like a lodestone at its bulk, until he came between Zelen and the tiger. Then he walked backward toward the girl. Without warning, he slammed another bolt into the unmoving animal. For the first time, Zelen heard the echo of the blast reverberate through the city. Wasn't it already dead? She asked through panting breaths. The man finally lowered his arm. I had to be sure. Zelen smelled sage around him as he approached. The man scanned the shadows and rooftops, but nothing stirred. Why didn't you run when the tiger rushed me? Because you pulled the magic out of the earth from between the stones. He harumphed and smiled. Yes, I did, but we have to go. There is another like her, her mate. He started in the direction of the unusual door, but Zelen didn't move. We're not safe yet. We must go to Hidden House and the other druids and then get out of the city. You're a druid like Grandma? Yes. Your grandma Ludmilla sent me to find you and bring you to her. Zelen started walking. What is your name? She asked. I'm Beckett Reed. Oh. What? I thought you'd be called Mr. Sage. Mr. Reed smiled and extended his hand towards Zelen, but she declined the offer with a toss of her wrist. Mr. Sage nodded his approval, and the two of them disappeared down a lampless street. The end. Thanks for listening to the Zelen Backstory. Enjoy more character backstories and learn more about the characters at mattsinkovich.com and theempiresedge.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Empire's Edge. Support us on Subscribestar at subscribestar.com slash the dash empires dash edge.